and and we're live normally jake says that part we are live hi everybody welcome back to the morality of everyday things i'm jake i'm Ann. on today's show uh we're going to be answering the question is it wrong to listen to the music of problematic artists mm, man deep niche there uh jake and i are longtime friends uh if you've listened to the podcast before then you'll know that we uh Studied together, run a couple of businesses together, uh, stasher.com, uh, treepoints.green, uh, if you want to offset your carbon. It's only £3.25 per month. That's not very much, is it? To... It's, it's not. It's less than the price of a cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, well you know, it depends. If, if you're in a hipster bar in Shoreditch, then yeah, less. <laughs> <laughs> way less. Yeah, way, way less. <laughs> but back on topic, obviously this podcast, for anyone who's new to this episode, um, is all about exploring some of the everyday philosophy or, or morality questions that we might encounter. We want to kind of dissect them, uh, interact a bit with what a highly nuanced everyday question is kind of quote unquote really pointing at and help provide some frameworks for people to, to come to these with their own ideas and, and come to their own conclusions. There's not a right answer, is there? No, absolutely not. I think the key word you used there was nuance because that's nuance. I think something we felt is... Nuance. <laughs> <laughs> that's something we felt has been sometimes missing in modern debate is you mm. know people tend to be quite black or white about issues and actually a lot of the I mean, times you can be gray <laughs> <laughs> exactly a lot of the times the answer does tend to lie in the middle in that gray area that's where ethical questions are normally at their most interesting mm. uh, what i should say about this episode so the past couple of episodes for our keen subscribers we had a couple guests on the show we're experimenting with different formats at the moment Thanks to those of you who have messaged us and let us know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. Mm. For this episode, we've gone back to the original format. So yeah. bringing this back onto today's question, yeah. what we always like to do to begin with is define the key terms. Mm. Um, another thing we should say about this episode, um, we'll define the terms and everything, but sometimes in the past we've done, one of us will take one side, one of us will take the other. I think because this is- No, quite... we haven't. Because <laughs> 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 we have. <laughs> and already we've lost it. But, um, <laughs> No, what, we, what we're going to do with this one is, it's an interesting question. So we've broken it down into a few interesting themes uh, that we think... And of... some uninteresting ones. <laughs> <laughs> Final plug just before question. Um, check out our Facebook, check out our Substack. Straight into it now. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, the key terms. Anthony, what is an artist? Um, someone who makes art. <laughs> Love it. Good. Yep. Uh, uh, someone who, you know spends time oh the, i'm annoyed that you asked me that because i thought you were going to say what is art and i did have an answer for that oh, okay go on what is, um, art? what is art art is uh a creation by man so i think it's important that it is intentional mm -hmm. um with the aim of eliciting certain thoughts or feelings um generally you know or conventionally it's considered uh visually or audibly appealing uh that's kind of a loose layman definition do you have a do you have an actual proper definition written down so uh, a definition I've just pulled up is <laughs> <laughs> the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture. Um, typically in a visual yeah, form. Weird thing to say. Carry on. Yeah. Producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. Uh, something I remember studying at school was uh, I remember someone saying art expresses insight into the human condition. It's one of those things that sounds lovely, but doesn't really say much. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a good expression. So it, it, it's supposed to say stuff about how we think and feel. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I think, so, so again, to just kind of address that kind of more philosophically, and, and I, I'm saying this because it will come up in some of the arguments, I think it's important that art, or it's said made by humans, what do you think is the int intentionality there? Do, do you need to be intending to make art for it to be art? I suppose, I mean, an obvious distinction it draws is 
nature, which many people would describe as beautiful, you wouldn't not describe art. as art. No. And that seems to be, that's the first thing that my mind goes to in terms right. of distinction. But then, but then, okay, if a human makes something, can I accidentally make art? I'm sure there must be famous cases of people who There have, must be, there yeah, must be. Like but, photographs um, are like, oh my God. <laughs> but then, but then the, 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 lab, the decision to then label it as art was still intentional. Yes. Even so if I the process by which it was made. Yeah. I think that intentionality is important. We'll come, we'll come back to this later. Um, also note that animals can't create art. <laughs> it's just because they don't have opposable thumbs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to imagine like a pig rapper or something like that. <laughs> Dope artist. Oink, oink. Um, uh, okay. Another thing to say just on the art point, and, and you'll probably pick this up. In the question, we explicitly said, listen to music by problematic artists. Just because there are some uh, topical examples of musicians you'll probably be very familiar with. Um, but that's not to say that music is the only art form that we're interested in. You've just heard us talk about visual art. Again, with us, uh, you know, we asked a specific question, but we're more interested in the general principle around yeah. enjoying art by yeah. problematic artists. To be fair, I think it, it, it does kind of blend into a wider sort of enjoying anything. Mm. No, sorry, that that's too non-specific. Enjoying um, products of entertainment, right? So I could, mm. I, I, I feel like the same argument is the kind that people might feel applies to TV or mm. radio or movies. Um, but okay, let, let's kind of dig a little bit deeper then. What does it mean for something to be problematic? Um, I think that we can keep this intuitive and simple, right? We're, okay. I mean, it, there's going to be a range, and that's part of what we're going to be discussing, I guess. Like, where is, where is the limit, if there is a limit, or if it should be shades of the way that you react to this. Um, but it means people who have done bad things. It's basically saying, can we separate great works from the terrible people who make them? And I think it's actually okay to leave that completely subjective, right? I think this is one where it's your own interpretation that matters. If you're not comfortable with the morality, the behavior of someone who nevertheless has made something that you enjoy musically, right. aesthetically, right, right. that's, I think, where it, that's where it becomes interesting personally, right? right? So, so if, if an artist makes a piece that supports abortion and you are not pro-abortion, then different people can legitimately yeah. um, choose to support or not support that artist whilst both supporting the notion that you shouldn't support an artist if you think they're a bad person. Exactly. I don't think it's our place in this episode to say these are people who are yeah. bad. Yeah. I think it's our, our place to say accept okay. it in the general. I think <laughs> Jake can see my face. So Jake, what you're saying is it's not that big a deal that R. Kelly pisses on kids. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to defend this. We talked about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish I'd researched what R. Kelly's actually. I, don't, I think I don't. he peed on like 13 to 16 year olds. And like, I think the funny thing is as well, I think he like, there's a video and I think he like, he asks their age and they confirm it or whatever. And and I think it was Trevor Noah was talking over this and he's like, dude, like the one thing you don't do in that situation is just repeatedly confirm that the person <laughs> is under the age of whatever is legal there. Okay. Let's crack uh, <laughs> right on into the first big theme or issue. Um, and... Mm. The fundamental question here is, can you separate the art from the artist? To what extent does the context in which art is made matter? Hmm. And, and I, what I'm really driving at there, I, and I do think that is really the key question in all of this. Context. Context. Right? Does, does, the context of, does the context of the art and artist matter? Can you enjoy a song purely independently? Like it doesn't, it doesn't even matter who sings it. Obviously there's an original, but is it musically like sort of pure? Is that something you can separate from the fact hmm. that someone it's terrible in your opinion. Okay. Slight distinction here, because I've just thought of this, okay? 
can you and should you are different questions, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's completely true. So I'm gonna, you is the moral imperative. Yeah, I'm going to put something out there. Numa Numa. Do you remember that song? No. You don't remember? Sing it for us. Numa Numa A. No, oh, the, yeah, that one. Yeah, you know the song, right? Yeah, um, it, to, to give, I mean, it's a trivial example, but my point is lots of people enjoy songs having no idea, like, any sort of nuance beyond, like, the little melodies and stuff. And melodies aren't really able to convey a deeper... Like, can, can a melody say something offensive? No. no the answer is no. I don't know why you thought about that. <laughs> the, reason thinking, the reason I was thinking was that you could associate a melody with some, oh, a so you could, anthem. So you could, play, right? you could play, like, Nazi music, exactly. and then actually that's the melody would be offensive. But that's, the melody itself isn't offensive, really. The melody yeah. is notes, chords, whatever. Yeah, but, but that's, that's just acknowledging... association. So it's context. That's still context, right? Exactly. Um, and then, I kind of want to take it back to context, um, just a step back. So we were saying... Can you appreciate art outside of the context? My, my gut answer is no, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and, and give a few examples here. First of all, let's think about abstract and modern art, right? Mm. Um, I'm by no means an expert in this, but I think a lot of people will kind of levy the accusation on modern art or, or abstract art. Um, you know, something like this picture doesn't make sense or... Uh, my child could draw this ridiculous things, right? And there's a, there's a book like No, Your Child Couldn't Have Done It. Um, and I, I think one of the things that it talks about a lot is the context of art, who makes the art, is very important to what the art is. We don't just label the artists on art on pieces of artwork, you know, to, to allow people to find more of that art. It's not like a convenience for the customers or consumers. It says something about the art as well, right? Mm -hmm. So to give an example... Can you look at, oh, I can't think of the name, but there's a very famous work of Pablo Picasso, very, very big. There's lots of crazy stuff going on. I think so. The one he made during the Spanish Civil, Civil War. War. Yes. Can you really look at that piece of art and understand it outside of the context of Picasso um, you know, and his work to that date, and particularly outside of the context of what that art piece of art was intentionally about? It's a really interesting one because I think, I'm sure it was a piece I saw before I knew anything about Spanish Civil War. I was like... What the hell is going on there? <laughs> yeah. But did you feel differently when you understood the context? It does change things, doesn't it? Yeah. It, metaphorically, like, you know, someone sort of lifted a bail and you're like, whoa, yeah. okay, that's yeah, what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Know? Perhaps we're being unfair there because I gave the example of Numa Numa earlier. Perhaps it's the case that you can, on one superficial level, you know, enjoy art, but you can't get the deep insight that really makes it art as opposed to something that just looks nice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which like a, a natural view can look nice. It's not art. Um, you can't truly appreciate the art outside of the context. And to give another, sorry, quick example that we discussed beforehand, if context didn't matter and it was just about visual appeal, then why wouldn't prints be exactly as valuable, not just monetarily, like, you know, just in terms of appreciation and emotive effect, why would a print not be exactly as effective as the original? Okay, I, I have two sort of counterpoints to make. I think... No, we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the first one would be, you're talking about it's important that you understand the artist's context and, and their intentions. And I mm. think there's a certain truth to that. But I think something a lot of fans of art seem to feel and believe is actually, that's one element of appreciation. But there a lot you can say for art is just, you know, you can appreciate it yourself. It's the fact that art speaks yeah. to us personally that actually brings context and enjoyment. Like you can look yeah. at a piece, have no idea what was said, appreciate it aesthetically, but also draw your own meaning from it. But I, okay, I appreciate that. That's actually something I've always questioned about art. Like mm -hmm. it's that whole thing in English lit where, you know, we've all been at school and it's like, the curtains were blue. That means it's an allusion to the fact that the character <laughs> is like, and it's like, is it though? Is it? 
um, like I personally sometimes think that that borders into the over analysis of art um, and I don't know that I buy it fair enough if you do but then actually I just wanted to come back to that context point um, and it's it's a very important distinction for this question right when the context of the art and the artist is relevant to the specific piece and when the context of the art and artist is actually not relevant to the mm-hmm. specific art. So to give it, to give some specific examples, for anyone who doesn't know, Wagner, famous um, opera, opera, composer. operatic composer we were talking about yesterday, um, very anti-Semitic. Uh, and that was actually deeply embedded in his work. If you, you were explaining to me that if you watch his operas, the, the you know, quote-unquote bad guys are often negatively stereotypical Jewish characters, right? Yeah, they, they sort of overlay yep. it with like... Negative yeah. Jewish stereotypes. So the context of his anti-Semitism is relevant to the art that he's making. It, yeah. It's part of it, right? Then take Michael Jackson, right? Michael Jackson obviously did some terrible things. Are they alleged? Mate, come on. <laughs> uh, I think I think there was in that thing the guy was. I don't want to talk Leaving about Neverland, it. Leaving Neverland, right? Yes. Yeah. Let's not. But, but for the sake of um, covering our backs. <laughs> with what <laughs> you're referring to the documentary yes yes yeah. so anyway, he's been accused of some terrible things yes you were going to say um, along the lines of pedophilia pedophilia is not part of his work right like when you listen to you know the Jackson 5 which is way before he would have done any of that stuff or you know Actually, to be fair, I'm bad, I'm bad. Maybe that's... <laughs> you know, when you listen to... In plain sight. Yeah, when you think about Thriller and music like that, that's, you know, excellent music that has nothing to do with that context of the artist. Mm. So when the negative context is directly relevant, may have an impact, right? Uh, I guess a relevant example there that we've also talked about is Lewis Carroll. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, because Lewis Carroll, for anyone who doesn't know... We don't want to take it out of the context of the time. Anyway, Alice in Wonderland was actually written as I, as I, if I, if I, you know, fact check me, go on, do it, the internet, I dare you, um, <laughs> was written for a friend's 13-year-old daughter who he was um, obsessed with, right? Um, and so again, suddenly that is relevant to the art. I mean, I, I don't know enough about the context to say whether what he did was bad or just a bit weird. Um, but again, that's an example where it's, you know, a relevant part, uh, part of the context of the art. Okay, and all that being said, should you then separate art from artist? Oh, yes. <laughs> Wait, no. What did I say earlier? <laughs> it sounds to me like you're saying context plays a fairly integral role and therefore the act of separating art and artist mm. is harder to achieve. I, 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 through talking about it, I actually feel like the place I've come to is to say art, art can still be art maybe without the context, I said earlier, like, oh, it's just, it may just be, uh, it, but your appreciation may be more superficial. Mm-hmm. Art with context is, I think, truer and richer, and especially when that context is relevant to the art, right? Mm. But that's, I guess, that's where it's sort of more interesting, isn't it? Where the context is somewhat irrelevant, but, because I think that's what the key, sort of, the question is really driving at. It's that, it's that element of like, ah, I really appreciate their music. They've done some terrible things. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of discomfort that you're trying to square. Yep. And so then I, I think this kind of starts to lead us onto the next part, right? Which is so. that so so is the problem that you shouldn't be appreciating it in and of itself, um, or is the problem that you shouldn't be endorsing that artist slash financially supporting that person? You were definitely um, right to express the difference between can and should. Can yeah. you? Yeah, absolutely. You can take a piece of art out of context, forget about who created it, and be like, this is yeah. yeah. 
lovely chords. Yes, yeah. it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not as deep an understanding of that piece of art, but you definitely can do it. Should you, I think, as you say, then leads on to our next point, which is more around the act of sort of financially supporting or condoning or expressing endorsement more broadly for an artist who mm. you deem problematic. So mm-hmm. just to say, if you can separate the art from the artist, you're probably fairly relaxed about this point. If you think yep. it doesn't matter, if you think they deserve to have their work appreciated regardless yep. of what they've done, then yep. it doesn't really matter to you if you're then going to pay for their work and financially support yep. them. I also want to make a, a kind of practical point there, right? Like you don't have a responsibility to check the moral sufficiency of you know, every artist of a piece of art that you like when i hear a song on the radio i'm not like oh man now i need to check whether this guy's a pedophile right <laughs> like I, there, there is there, there is a context for superficial enjoyment of art and a context for rich enjoyment of art that does include an endorsement of the artist and maybe more you know financial support so for example there's a difference between hearing a song on the radio and being like oh that's good and paying to go and see that person in concert mm. or paying to go and see their film and is that where you'd be tempted to draw a line in between sort of active support versus kind of passive? That kind of superficial appreciation, appreciation of art yeah. as opposed to... Um, I think that's definitely a line. So there is a difference between me throwing a Michael Jackson appreciation party where I ask everyone to dress up like Michael Jackson <laughs> and remember Michael Jackson and me dancing to a Michael Jackson song or a Jackson 5 song that someone puts on while I'm out. Mm. You raise another really interesting point there we'll have to come back to. Jackson 5 versus Michael Jackson. Mm, the, the art before and after he was a quote-unquote bad person. Exactly. How much did that play a part? Let's come back to that. Mm. Because what I wanted to say first was, on Reddit, this question was posed a few years back. Someone Very said, reliable source. <laughs> <laughs> we cover all bases in our research. Um, <laughs> someone asked this question and... And someone replied, Bump, pump GameStop. <laughs> GameStop, whatever it was. Those <laughs> going to the moon. Yeah. Um, what, what the, the consensus view, the, the sort of common answer that people came up with was, dude, if you don't like the artist, pirate their work. Support artists that you like, but just, yeah, if I, if I come across a song by someone I don't like, pirate it. And it's funny because actually, you know, we, we sort of straw poll surveyed our friends on the same question. We're like, how, you know, what do you feel about this? What's your answer? And they'd be like, well, I'd probably be tempted not to pay for artists mm. I don't like. So I certainly feel better about it. Yeah. Yeah. Even, I mean, we'll, we'll come to this, but even, even if the artist isn't financially, directly, personally benefiting, I prefer not to endorse it or, or support it by paying whoever it is that owns the rights even. Yeah. Which is why I find it weird that then the answer is to steal their work. Yeah. <laughs> Morally, I feel it's, like it's that's... It's that two, two wrongs make a right, apparently, mm. right? It's like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, take the art out of the world. People yeah. can still enjoy this, at least on a superficial level. Um, and also, to be fair, sometimes there's something to be said for the act of reclamation, right? Like Go sometimes, on. sometimes you can take something offensive and by actually embracing it, you can kind of almost reflect a power like this, you know, this doesn't have power over me and I can enjoy this for what it is I, this isn't art but i know that for example you know people called used to call tottenham fans yiddos as, as like a slur mm. and then they kind of embraced it and turned it into a thing that they that like they now celebrate they know, yeah, um, and so like uh, to give the example of wagner again you were saying that it's banned in israel and mm. that some people argue that well that's the ultimate way of saying that he won right like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the ultimate, yeah now now jewish people can't listen to his music yeah there was a there was a quote from a historian who said Wagner, um, for, for all his anti-Semitism, you know, he didn't want art to be appreciated by the Jews in Europe. He deemed Jews to be the problem in society. And 
cause of a lot of problems. Blah blah blah. He was so, he was an anti-Semite. It was uh, we want to put it in the context of the time that was not like the popular. Wait, I don't know. Was it popular? I don't know. It was more. It was take more it in context. In take it. Take it. Take um, it in context of the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, which was, it was doesn't justify it. But uh, exactly, that historian said, you know, if if, if Israel forever bans Wagner, then he's <laughs> he's won. <laughs> in, in in that respect. Wagner is a very interesting case, though, because for him, he's banned by association with Nazi Germany. He was mm. Hitler's favorite composer or something like that. Mm. His music kind of, to some extent, became in tune to, yep. uh, to the rise of Nazi Germany. And that all happened yep. years and years after he died. And so that's, I think that's, that's another one where like, you could reasonably hear his music and be like, okay, it's just classical music. Uh, you know, you could hear a lot of his music without any lyrics or seeing the opera. Mm-hmm. Um, and have no idea that it's anti-Semitic and, and enjoy the music, right? Mm. Um, and it's only when you have that kind of deeper understanding of his work and of the artist that you can uh, appreciate that. Actually, I just want to touch on that context thing one last time. I've recently been on a reading binge of Kurt Vonnegut, mm-hmm. right? Literature isn't something that you can enjoy as superficially as uh, a, you know, a three-minute song, right? So, so I don't know the extent of that applies, but to give some example, when I understand more about the, uh, about Kurt Vonnegut as an author, so his struggles with mental health, the fact that he was an actual prisoner of war and often mm-hmm. writes about war, I, I believe his mother committed suicide. And these are actually themes that you see in his work, right? Because they, they do come up often, like distant relationships with parents and, and um, many, many uh, portrayals of war in his different books uh, and people's attitudes towards it and the kind of, his overarching thing is often the meaninglessness of life inherently, but that you can find happiness in love. Anyway, cool, cliche. Um, <laughs> he was under, also a time traveler. Yes, yeah, yeah, he was, that really adds a lot. Um, but when you kind of understand those things about him as an artist, it, it does add so much richness and depth mm. and, and, and kind of, you know, you read things and you reflect that like, this is someone writing from a place of, of feeling these things and, you know, it helps to explain why it's so emotive and gives you some insight into him as a person as well as the art as a kind of mirror into yourself. Hmm. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a very fair point. So let's come back to the finance thing. I think, you know, I, I can see why people are more comfortable pirating music from bad artists. I think morally yep. that's a strange place yep. to draw the line for me. I think if you deem someone problematic enough that you don't want to pay to support their music, then stealing it hardly seems like a proportionate thing to do. I agree. You could maybe say, look, if it comes on, I'm not going to switch channel. I'm going to turn it off. I'm not mm. going to go support them. I think there's a certain active passive divide there. Um, yep. But I think a bigger issue that this drives at is uh, money is an easy thing to sort of hang it on. But I think really the sort of moral tension people feel is around the fact that you're endorsing that or at yep. least you're not condemning the fact that they've done something wrong. Yeah. Which I guess like in the extreme is cancel culture, right? Yes. That, like, that idea that you should hold people morally punishable. You should, they should atone for their sins. There's a kind of guilt by association principle, right? It's like, mm-hmm. if I listen to this music, I am in some way endorsing yeah. or like associated or, with the views or actions or of this sort of Obviously, if you, if you were at all involved in Harry Potter, you, <laughs> you have to post a tweet saying that, uh, you know, you support trans people. That I think is... Too big a one for for a different episode. Uh, <laughs> we should definitely do something more. On Was Dumbledore gay? <laughs> Apparently, That's yes. actually, you know what? This is this is this is actually a really good example of what I was saying earlier. Where like I don't like when people just apply their own interpretations on the art and act like that's a valid. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do feel like I'm a purist in that like intention is important. And yes, you you can kind of enjoy art for more than what the artist intended, but the deeper meaning should be the intentional ones. 
you know, if it happens coincidentally, that it almost upsets me to then give the artist credit for that, right? Because mm-hmm. they've not reflected something deep on the human condition. It, it becomes accidental in the same way that, you know, a tree growing in nature could accidentally make you feel something evocative. Mm-hmm. But that's, that doesn't mean the tree is committing art. <laughs> committing. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to jail, sir. <laughs> Stop that, you tree. <laughs> um, carry on, though. Let's flip cancel culture on its head really quickly. Mm-hmm. What about when you take this quite far the other direction and you're cancelling stuff left, right and centre mm-hmm. and it almost becomes an act of virtue signalling? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't like virtue signalling. <laughs> it's funny. It, it, I, I genuinely am utilitarian, but when it comes to virtue signalling, virtue signalling is the, the example that makes me think, hmm, maybe I actually do relate with Kant a bit more, mm-hmm. where it's like you should do things that are good just because it's your duty to do good things, not because there's some end that makes sense. So on the finance endorsement point, it's obviously it's an it depends answer. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe a consistent place to draw the line is between passive and active support. Mm-hmm. Of a particular artist but i think if you want to be consistent about it really it goes beyond financial support it's it's also a question of endorsement so what if you quietly enjoy it what if you listen to them on spotify quietly metaphorically not literally um, <laughs> Turn the volume right yeah <laughs> michael jackson's on turn it down um no what if what if you know don't let anyone know that you enjoy this artist what if you secretly watch jimmy savile reruns at home by yourself oh, um and, and you have it downloaded illegally so it's not financially benefiting anyone i still feel like it's almost like, i don't think it's the public expression of support that no it's 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 the expression within your own mind that yeah. You know, you should be almost regulating yourself. Man, that sounds very, like, authoritarian, right? Big brother. Yeah, very big brother. Um, let's, let's move on I, to the next section, yeah, shall we? I, I want to move on, but I want to say that I generally endorse the view that if you think someone's a bad person, a somewhat acceptable route is to, is to not financially support them whilst still enjoying their music. Oh, really? I'll give you a maybe. No, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, the thing is, I say it and it feels morally right. And then I think like, I listen to Michael Jackson all the time and don't even think about it. Like, I'm like, yeah, let yeah. it on the boogie. Yeah, there's a big, there's a big practical element to this mm. question, right? This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm, what flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Um, there's a couple of other themes I want to touch on quickly. This is a small one. Obviously, music is, I think, an interesting example because we're single. Generally, there's an artist. They're identifiable as an individual, easy to single out, and also then easy to kind of hold mm. morally responsible as an independent actor. Yeah. But... No artists, or some artists probably do, but artists rarely operate in a vacuum. They have other people working on their music um, yep. who would be affected by a boycott. Yep. Um, Except for, for Dave Grohl, who recorded the entirety of the first Foo Fighters album himself. Yeah, I was thinking of him as a kind of yeah. <laughs> cool guy. But he's a, he's a cool guy, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's interesting that you said, like, there's someone who stands out, they, they, they're singled out. Have you ever heard of um, tall poppy syndrome? Which is that the tall poppies are the ones that get cut. <gasps> so the, the point <laughs> is, like, the, the point is, if you don't have, like, reasonable constraints on this, is it, you know, no one can live a perfect life. Is it, you know, at what point do you end up where anyone who becomes reasonably famous, you know, is just so unfairly watched and everything they do is so bigged up? 
I actually think that the use of the word problematic should rule those out. Never mind. I don't want to expand on that. Point. There's something in that, though. There's something in yeah. the fact that um, we do hold celebrities to loosely. higher levels of scrutiny. And, I, and some people. Really, Jake? What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> what, what have you not admitted to here? <laughs> well, I think some people are actually quite comfortable with that, too. They say, you know, if you're a celebrity, you're in the public eye, you have a responsibility to be a role model, you yeah. know, um, and, and behave in a way that sort of. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily expect everyday people to but but then there's there's so there's there's a couple of questions in there uh, and one is if you uh, you know you were a junior producer on michael jackson's records yeah are you great. culpable yeah like, are you, are you uh, have you done something bad that kind of relates to the facebook episode doesn't it does, it? Rather, it does. and we kind of said yes hmm. um but i mean this is one where timeline is important because like art Definitely. art can be released or created way before we realize the person is bad right and, and it's the same for the person working there, right? So, you know, say Weinstein gets out of prison and says, starting up a new production company, should you work there? No. Like, I think that's a pretty clear line. It's just no. You know, Michael Jackson, thriller style, arises from the dead and says, you know, I have, I have two desires, to make more music and to abuse some children. You know, should I, should, should I work for him as a junior producer? Sounds like a great opportunity. No, <laughs> you obviously shouldn't, right? So I think, I, I think the, the timing is important, but yeah, like, same outcome as the Facebook episode. You know, if you're aware that they're bad, but with Facebook, Facebook was bad like as part of its intention and business model. Hmm. You know, if you find out that your boss is cheating on their wife, should you quit working for your boss? Then you start holding other people to such high account that it does become a question of like practically, how do you yeah. process all this information? Aside from the practical, I think the, the, the part that people are, would find interesting about that is the relevance, right? Like, yeah. is it relevant to your working relationship with the person? I could see how like at a certain point it becomes unacceptable. So if you find out your boss is a pedophile, Yes, you may actually like that. It doesn't matter that it's not relevant. Like that's it's so much of an affront that you can't uh, work with them. But, you know, so if it's something that is wrong, but not quite at the like, okay, this is revolting sort of stage. You might have an, uh, you might have some responsibility to do something about it. I could see that. I could see that you might have a responsibility to, for example, tell them that you're not comfortable. Oh, man, that. That sounds like a horrible practical let's, suggestion. Let's, let's leave cheating to one side. Mm. Um, but yeah, something illegal, something that's obviously wrong, I think. Taking drugs. Nah. <laughs> you nah. picked another one that, again, is like, you know, yeah, that's societal. Like, that, that's more like, that's not just necessarily wrong. Um, selling drugs to kids. <laughs> <laughs> nice, thank you. <laughs> then you definitely want to do something about it. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely, there's something interesting in the fact that your, your responsibility to work with these people to allow them to go on to create this art if you're aware that mm. there's anything going on. Quick tangent, um, mm. we talked a bit about celebrities, businesses. I mean, relevant to the to the thing we're talking about there with bosses, right? Yeah, Cause, cause but, I mean, but I mean, businesses in general. So if you as a, should you as a consumer buy stuff from a business that okay, so, has so, bad actors or, or is it more you. about the business's stance? Or, so, so what you're saying is, by analogy, yes. if we shouldn't enjoy the art of bad artists... Should we enjoy the products of bad businesses? Or let's right. take a specific one. Should Let's say EMI was run by yeah. a supervillain. Yeah, EMI. Uh, EMI Records. Or, or right, like, right. Pick, pick any... I thought you meant that it's an option. Like a ta- <laughs> it's a tax scheme <laughs> in the UK. Management. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, let's take any record label. Let's, um, two, two questions. If they were run by a terrible person... Well, should you then boycott all their artists? Here's, or here's, what if here's it's not actual... a terrible person? What if it's actually just EMI as an organization stand for something terrible? Like Facebook, yeah, arguably. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I mean, well, to give a to give a couple examples, people literally have done that. Um, Uber. There was the boycott Uber mm-hmm. uh, movement. You know, Lyft was like, yeah, boycott. <laughs> yeah, 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 boycott them. Um, but then I would also say, I would say it's analogous, right? It's it's basically saying, can you enjoy products that are because an art art is the product of an artist, right? Mm-hmm. And a product is the product of a of a business person, right? Mm-hmm. I think it is a fair analogy, and I would say that in the same way, yes, you are you have some sort of responsibility, right? So. And, and practically, people do that. So when, when people saw that video of Travis Kalanick mm-hmm. being a real dick to a Uber driver, um, a lot of people chose, like, I'm not going to support this company with my money. Um, a lot of people choose not to buy from Amazon. I think that's a little misguided, but people do it. Why do you think that's misguided? Um, Amazon has, you know, has some issues. Actually, I don't know why I think that's misguided. I just think it's a bit overreactionary. <laughs> Amazon's a popular one to hate because they are so... Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're terrible to their warehouse workers, but in my view, yes, they should do more about it, but it's also the place of government. Like, you have this huge machine, and they have come around and fixed it eventually, and I don't want to be an apologist for them. They're, it was too slow. It was not enough. You know, their, fa- their founder could have personally funded the salary increases, um, but it's a place for regulation. Like, mm-hmm. if you're saying it's disgusting that they're not paying them anymore, then it's like, yeah, we should increase the minimum wage. <laughs> well, I'm very glad you've brought up regulation because that segues nicely into the next theme, which is around punishment. And the reason that's Ooh. relevant is because to what extent is this a problem only if people are getting away with their crimes? Yeah. So if someone does something terrible, they're punished, they go to prison, serve a sentence, and then they come back up again. Mm-hmm. Sure, some sort of prison stigma might stick with them, mm-hmm. but to an extent they've done wrong, been recognized for it, toned i want to say mm. for, for for what they've done i would actually i don't mean to subvert your point mm-hmm. but i would say specific to what you've just described it's almost like a, a separate question right because it doesn't need to be about art and artists that can be just about anything like mm. when someone serves their time should we just actually say you know what it's, it's as if you never did this because you have well, i get I I, but, it's a forgive but, not forget situation yeah. isn't it it's, I, it's a you've got to give them a chance right, right. because you, you sort of Got you. Whereas, whereas people appreciating your art is perhaps a luxury as opposed to like a right that you should give that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing with problematic artists is that through status and power, they often go unpunished. This is, I think, what's really interesting here, right? because I, yeah. I think in a lot of cases, the reason, or the context of the time. Yeah, people people feel that is you know Jackson again is is someone who you know was never never was, really was, was punished never, was never convicted of anything, uh, but never never therefore punished for it. Jimmy Savile. Jimmy Savile never punished in his lifetime. Um, yep. And it's only been sort of posthumously that people have said this is terrible and sort of pulled his work. Yeah. Which actually speaks a bit to the financial point in that like maybe it doesn't matter because we still say this about people who have nothing financially to gain. They're dead. Yeah, but we still say that we shouldn't endorse them. It is something to do with that, right? Um, I just wanted to give an example on the punishment side. Um, so Tupac Shakur is yep. an interesting example of a guy. He was charged with sexual assault in 1995. Famous rapper. I'm sure everyone knows that. But just in case... Could you give us an example lyric, song? Uh, do you know Changes? Huh? Yeah, yeah good, good one. Yeah, you'll, you'll help me sing it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It was all a dream. The <laughs> <laughs> point about Tupac was that while he was imprisoned, charged with sexual assault, he actually released an album, Me Against the World, and became, I think at the time, the first More like person... Me Against the Person I Assaulted. <laughs> that became the first person to have a number one album while in prison. Right. And then he was released and he, he continued making some music and... And assaulting people. I actually, I'm committing the exact thing that we're talking about, prison stigma, whereby like, I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt that he 
did move on from the thing. Well, personally, I think it would seem harsh to say that you're condemned forever past that point. I think if you serve some amount of time. Yeah. The thing is, I think it's a reality of, of, of hum, humans and humanity that reputation is important. Um, mm. We need to make assessments about people and reputation and history of that person is a strong indicator. And some things we basically take as such strong indicators of misaligned moral compass, which I actually think can be unfair. I think that a lot of people uh, who can be from more comfortable situations can kind of underestimate the extent to which incredibly difficult situations can force people to do things that you might consider completely abhorrent, um, you know, such as armed robbery or something like that, right? But the point is, in any, you know, whether it's right or wrong, people draw lines where they say, oh, you know, anyone who is willing to do X is just clearly the type of person who who's just never can be relied on to be like reasonable and have a, a limit on that, right? Is that right or fair? Probably not. Is it practically, you know, as a bunch of more evolved chimps wandering around, <laughs> like just how we're hardwired? Yes, I think so. So you, you said that- I'm calling you, you a chimp, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> you said that in the case of people being dead, um, you're not supporting them financially and yet it feels sort of consistent to kind of continue to uphold those standards. Mm -hmm. Could you not make the opposite case that once you're dead, there's no, there's, you're not supporting ongoing behavior, right? The behavior is in the past. There's no way they're going to continue to be anti-Semitic in the case of Wagner. Yeah. I suppose there's the dangerous work still get upheld by anti-Semites. Maybe, maybe it's something to do with the concept of celebrity. We keep using this word endorse and endorsing people, right? You know, if you view humans as um, narrative and history machines, right? That's how we view the world. Mm -hmm. um, celebrity is a way of saying that someone is of, you know, some significance within that narrative. Mm -hmm. and, by, and by saying we shouldn't endorse this person, we're saying that we want to kind of diminish their importance in this narrative understanding of the person and society, right? Or like, we don't want to think about that person in the context of the good things because it washes away the bad things. Mm. So, so then it doesn't, in a sense, if you think about it that way, it doesn't matter if you're alive or not, because take Michael Jackson, right? My interaction with Michael Jackson, whether he's dead or alive, is my interaction with that of any celebrity, right? They're, they're an image. They're, they're almost more of an idea than they are a person to me. And that persists beyond, you know, whether you're alive or dead. Interesting. That's true. Deep, bro. <laughs> Here's an easy one. Um, it's a two plus two, four. Got it. If musical art has a problematic message so it's not the artist that's problematic but the music or song itself so Wagner's anti-semitic opera or yeah. let's take a more recent topical example recent is in the last decade yeah um, <laughs> recent is in not the 1800s <laughs> Robin Thicke uh, who, who produced a song Blurred Lines uh, and people accuse the song of being encouraging a break view on consent <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to the extent that you know universe we, we gave the example that. earlier of you know, would dance to Michael Jackson if I heard it in a club. Mm -hmm. A lot of universities banned blurred lines uh, in, in student unions and stuff. I think this is a lot more clear cut as that anecdote kind of says, right? Like, it, okay, so we, we discussed there's like a, you know, the, a difference between a problematic artist where the problematic part is out of context of their art. And then I think that's the weakest case. We talked about problematic artists where the problematic part is part of their art. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the case where I think like actually censorship makes some sense, not censorship, but like mm -hmm. choosing not to listen to it. And then I think this is the clearest one where like, if the art is itself, you know, endorsing something problematic, then, then obviously like, it's just bad art. Like if I was, I don't know, endorsing the idea that Weinstein did nothing wrong or whatever, it actually doesn't even matter who the artist is. In this case, you're just looking at the art and it's like, okay, this art has a problematic message. So I kind of don't want to spread that message or I don't like this message. 
So I think, yeah, I, I think they got it right in the case of Robin Thicke and universities. And I think so the lines know. weren't that blurred. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Um, so I think they made the right call there. But uh, what you just said reminded me of, um, you know, Lolita, um, mm-hmm. Nabokov's book. And yes. His yeah. was banned for the same reason, because people saw it as being problematic art. And that, I think, is actually... this. It's actually a weird meta one, right? Yes. Because it was art about a problematic person. And part of the point of the art was an insight into how problematic that person was. Exactly. It wasn't endorsing their view. It was, for anyone who doesn't know, Lolita is about a pedophile. Um, it's written from his perspective. And it also, importantly, has an element of unreliable narrator because yeah, it's written from his perspective. And you kind of realize more and more through the book that he's an unreliable narrator. And he kind of realizes himself that the way that he was justifying things to himself kind of don't fit with reality. I think I think what makes it so powerful as a book is exactly that. You you sort of see this guy and he paints this really rosy image of things and he meets this girl and he falls in love with her and mm. it's been a long time since I read it, but it does all unravel for him and, and I think one of the big questions is is he writing this from prison or not? That's one of the things yep. I think is is like a sort of question at the end. Anyway, I think uh, I think the reason so sometimes it pro- doesn't deserve censorship is because I think you're right. I don't think Nabokov is in any way endorsing mm. Pedophilia as a behavior. But then maybe maybe this is just semantics. Maybe his his art wasn't problematic. His art was just on a sensitive topic. It certainly was. What I think makes Lolita really interesting, though, is one of the reasons it's quite powerful as a book is because you find yourself sympathizing with some of his views as you go through. So not obviously not the pedophilia, but he presents it as so romantic, right? And you're like, people can relate to sort of romance and these feelings, Mm -hmm. and then you're like. Oh my god! Is it just? Is it just completely? Is it out of his control? I think. I think that. that I think it's horribly like uncomfortable to read that. I think makes it. I think that's part of what feeds into that thing I was saying about the unreliable narrator, where like you hear this stuff, and like yeah, at first it's kind of confusing. It's you know because he very much almost writes it as if like it's like a thirteen-year-old girl coming on to him, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And it just becomes increasingly clear that that is not what's actually happening. Whilst it is somewhat uncomfortable or sensitive to read. It, it's sensitive but you kind of have to go through that to get that point um, so yeah I, I think problematic music that's quite a simple one um, practical point that we've discussed we've actually also discussed in the vegetarian and veganism episode mm-hmm. um, we talked about some of the practicalities like um, you know can you enjoy art on separate levels yes like you obviously do not have a responsibility to investigate the creator of everything you look at and say like oh or here and think like oh that's cool um, and you certainly don't have the responsibility to like say for example you watch a film not just research the main actors, but, you know, go and check all the producers and stuff, right? Um, despite the fact that, you know, in the case of Weinstein, a producer did something terrible. And actually, I'd say in his case, like, he's a good example of, like, he's so abstracted from the art that, like, you know, do I think you can enjoy films that are produced by Weinstein? With the exception of, like, the kind of, like, cringe moment when it says Weinstein Productions at the beginning. Uh, yes, I think you can enjoy... I had that this week. I watched The uh, the Untouchables, the French yeah. film, and I didn't know. And Please say it in a French accent. Uh, les Intouchables. <laughs> les Intouchables. Naturellement. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, you, you definitely do have that feeling of like, ooh, yep. uh, like yep. Weinstein pops up. Across the um, I think, so that's one element of practicality. Another yeah. element of practicality, and this is with so many things. It's To be honest, it's with any moral decision, right? It's easy with big questions, but sometimes, and this is, again, relating to cancel culture... Sometimes when you're talking about, for lack of a better word, microaggressions or small things, you enter this weird territory where it's hard to be morally consistent, right? Yes. So if you say, for example, I'm never going to listen to Michael Jackson, it's a marker that you've set down to basically say, like, I am at least this moral, and to be consistent, I should apply this to all the music I listen to, which kind of puts more onus on you to then 
you know more actively check who you're listening to and then how do you translate that into other things it's kind of a just practically it's hard to be morally consistent there i'm just pointing out no i think i think it's a fair point it doesn't feel so morally pure to uphold that as your view but i think on a practical level it makes sense and i think again it sort of Mm. speaks to the tension that you feel when you say if i'm gonna separate if i'm not gonna separate art from artists that does kind of put this real burden yeah and i also to clarify it's a bit of a fallacy so i want to say Oh, because it's hard to be consistent, we shouldn't make good decisions. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think, yeah, sometimes it's, it does set a, a hard marker to maintain, is, is what I'm trying to say there. And then, and, and it's part of what kind of leads to, you know, arguably going too far and, and leading to this kind of cancel culture. Mm. Um, I guess what, one interesting thing, and Lewis Carroll was the example um, that we gave earlier, what if the problematic part is exactly the part that makes their art great? What if, what if Wagner couldn't have made his amazing operas without his anti-Semitism? Like, what if that was... I mean, I don't, I don't really believe that statement. Well, um, well, you say that, but there's a historian who, to quote him directly, said, Wagner's racism led him to create some of his most complex, rich, and enigmatic dramatic figures, as well as some of his most haunting and beautiful music. I don't know if that's giving it too much credit. We often talk about utilitarianism and stuff. I would personally mostly align as kind of a Mill-style utilitarian. But I think in everyday life, we do kind of like a little bit glide between different frameworks when they make sense, right? Uh, like I'm sure I can, with deep reasoning, see how it could make sense in the mill statement, but like it, it's almost one of the flaws of utilitarianism where like, I don't want to say that like, for example, it, it's an analogy to the thing where people say, can I turn someone into a slave because the net benefit to me is, is better mm. and therefore I can do something bad to do something net greater. Like in, the, in a small sense, clearly you can do small bad things to get bigger, positive things but there should be limits on it and there needs to be like serious proportionality asymmetry in the benefit so saying like is it okay for wagner to promote anti-semitism because it means that we get some good music i I don't want to say yes Mm. well it's hard to do that kind of moral calculus isn't it like michael Mm. jackson has brought a ton of joy to the world um but then also you know there's never never truly owned up to his issues he just blamed it on the boogie So oh, look right. at the man in the mirror. Oh, how did I miss that? So let's uh, let's wrap this up. Where do you sit? Like, uh, okay, practical question. Michael Jackson's music. I listen to it. I think that the thing that I mentioned at one point, where I said like the, my interaction with Michael Jackson is more of a f- with a celebrity figure, which it almost doesn't matter whether he's alive or dead. Mm-hmm. So it is about endorsement. Some of it is financial support as well. Basically, I would say when you're enjoying art superficially, you don't have really much of a a responsibility to like find out more when you know that an artist is terrible it would be favorable to not financially support them and not endorse them but some in some cases it can be acceptable to listen to their music particularly if the nature of their problematic you know issues is not like either within the within the art or like directly contributing to the art well i think i think two points i, I think you can be morally consistent in, in one of two ways i think I can see the case where you just say let's separate the art from the artist, and like so context doesn't matter. I, I, I think, why do we put the artist's names on things then? Yeah, I, I don't think that's where I personally sit, but mm. I think I think if you if you want to just sort of absolve yourself of all sort of guilt and responsibility, you just have to say art is something independent. It's almost taking an ancient Greek view of art, where like mm. art is divinely inspired and people are just the medium. And mm. Actually, you mm. can enjoy something in and of itself. That's at that's least kind of the argument where nature is art, though, right? 
maybe i i think it's morally consistent but i think it's it's mm. not <laughs> it's maybe it's not where i stand i think the other view that's morally consistent is you 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 go the whole other way you say look uh, i don't endorse this work and therefore i won't be listening to it i, I won't buy it i won't like you know, support this artist in any way mm. again though that's as you say that's the moral market point in practice i think what ends up happening is you do sit somewhere in the middle and yep. for convenience you say you know what this guy's terrible but separate the art from the artist especially if it comes on and you're just enjoying it passively it's like mm. what am yep. i going to do make someone like turn the music off and, yeah and, yeah, yeah exactly okay let's draw a line there uh, let us know what you think. Interact with us on our Facebook page. Uh, follow our Substack for a little summary and some info on the upcoming uh, episodes. We will always consider suggestions that uh, our listeners have for episodes they'd like to hear us discuss. Um, we also have a Patreon page. And uh, I think that the main one, if you are, if you are really concerned about uh, your responsibility for your carbon footprint and the emissions that you're putting out into the world, check out treepoints.green. A uh, project run by us. It's a social enterprise, so 50% of profits uh, will be going to the same projects or similar initiatives to support uh, climate positivity. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Cheers for tuning in, and see you next time. Uh-huh.